0: Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me, Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is November 12th. Today we're going to talk about Ether Chapter 6. Now, one of my favorite principles in Ether Chapter 6 is one of those that you kind of have to read between the lines. In verse 4, it talks about the preparation that the people made, and it talks about how they got aboard their vessels, or their barges, and set forth in the sea, commending themselves unto the Lord their God. So here they are, they do everything that they can to prepare. They do everything in their power. Then they hop in their ships, and they basically say, Okay, Lord, this is in your hands. And they get into the ocean. And then it says, And it came to pass that the Lord caused that there should be a furious wind blown upon the face of the waters towards the promised land. And thus they were tossed upon the waves of the sea before the wind. Now several times throughout this chapter, it talks about... The waves of the sea. It talks about the winds. It talks about the tempests and how rough that journey was. But I think the important thing to recognize here is first, they did everything in their power to prepare. They did everything that was within their control. Second, they turned it all over to the Lord and trusted him. And third, despite the wind, despite the waves, despite the storms raging all around them, The Lord was using those things to propel the people to the promised land. All the trial, all the struggle, all the adversity was leading them to where Heavenly Father wanted them to go. Now I think about what it must have been like to be on one of those ships. They were driven for 344 days. 344 days, almost an entire year of being tossed around in the sea. Almost an entire year of having the winds beat on you, the storms beat on you, the waves flipping you over. I can't imagine how awful, how seasick, how miserable that would have been. But if the winds hadn't been there, if the ocean had been perfectly still and without waves, how would the Lord have taken them to the promised land? How would the Lord have gotten them where he wanted them to be? I feel like so often in our trials and in our temptations and in our struggles, we often wonder why, why this is happening. We often wonder if we have made God mad or why he has turned his back on us and isn't blessing us or helping us. But my friends, perhaps it's because he sees the entire picture. He saw the distance from where the Jaredites were to the promised land, and he understood the best way to get them there. Now, my friends, he sees the big picture in our lives. He sees who we are now, and he sees who we can become. And sometimes he uses the winds and the waves and the storms in our lives to get us from who we are to who he knows that we can be. There's an incredible story by Hubie Brown that he used to tell about a current bush. And now it's long, but there's just something about hearing it in his voice. So I want to play that for you now.
1: Could I tell you just a quick story out of my own experience in life? Sixty odd years ago, I was on a farm in Canada. I had purchased this from another who had been somewhat careless in keeping it up. And I went out one morning and found a currant bush at least six feet high. There was no sign of blossom or of fruit. I had had some experience in pruning trees before we left Salt Lake to go to Canada. As my father had a fruit farm, I got my pruning shears and went to work on that currant bush. And I clipped it and cut it and cut it down until there was nothing left but a little clump of stumps. As I looked at this little clump of stumps, there seemed to be a tear on each one. And I said, what's the matter, currant bush? What are you crying about? And I thought I heard that currant bush speak. It seemed to say, how could you do this to me? I was making such wonderful growth, and now you've cut me down. How could you do it? I thought you were the gardener here. I said, look, little currant bush, I am the gardener here, and I know what I want you to be. If I let you go the way you want to go... You'll never amount to anything. But someday, when you're laden with fruit, you're going to think back and say, Thank you, Mr. Gardner, for cutting me down, for loving me enough to hurt me. Ten years passed, and I found myself in Europe. I had made some progress in the First World War in the Canadian Army, and the day after I received a telegram from London, said, Be in my office tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. I puffed up, and I went to London. I walked into the office of the general, and he said, Brown... You're entitled to this promotion, but I cannot make it. You have qualified, passed the regulations, you've had the experience. You're entitled to it in every way, but I cannot make this appointment. Just then, he went into the other room to answer a phone call. I looked over on his desk see what my personal history sheet showed. And I saw on the bottom of that history sheet in large capital letters, This man is a Mormon, and I knew why he couldn't make the appointment. Finally, he came back and said, that's all, Brown. I saluted him less heartily than before and went out. On my way back, I thought every turn of the wheel that cracked across the rails was saying you're a failure. And bitterness rose in my heart until when I arrived finally in my tent, I threw rather vigorously my cap on the cot. I clenched my fist and I shook it at heaven. And I said, how could you do this to me, God? I've done everything that I knew how to do to uphold the standards of the church. I was making such wonderful growth, and now you cut me down. How could you do it? And then I heard a voice. It sounded like my own voice. And the voice said, I'm the gardener here. I know what I want you to be. If I let you go the way you want to go, you'll never amount to anything. And someday, when you are ripened in life, you're going to shout back across time and say, thank you. Mr. Gardner, for cutting me down, for loving me enough to hurt me. With those words which I recognize now as my words to the currant bush, which had become God's word to me, I fell to my knees and prayed for forgiveness for my arrogance and my ambition. Will you remember that little experience which changed my whole life, where the gardener took control and did for me what was best for me, looking back over 60 years? Thank you, Mr. Gardner, for cutting me down.
0: I love that story so much. I love what it teaches us about being willing to, as this scripture says here in Ether, commend ourselves unto the Lord our God. I love what it teaches us about just placing our trust in he who knows better. One of my favorite quotes is by Elder Holland, and it says, we must be willing to place all that we have, not just our possessions. They might be the easiest of all. But also our ambitions, our pride and stubbornness and vanity. We must place it all on the altar of God, kneel there in silent submission, and willingly walk away. Now, one of the reasons why I love that quote so much is because when we think about giving it all to God, oftentimes we do think of our possessions or our money. We think about our sins, our pride, our vanity, as it says here. But I love that Elder Holland says, our ambitions. So often in life, we speak of ambition. It is a good thing. It's an honorable thing to have ambition. But when that ambition, when what we want becomes more important than what God wants for us, that's when our ambition can become a sin. I am sure, absolutely positive, 100% sure, that the Jaredite people wanted a smooth sailing. I am 1,000% sure that they didn't want to be seasick, I am absolutely positive that they didn't want the winds and the waves and the storms to toss them around on the sea. However, I'm also pretty sure that if you would have given the brother of Jared a choice, do you want an easy passage and not end up where the Lord wants you to go? Or would you rather have it hard? Would you rather deal with the difficult things and the winds and the waves and the storms but end up exactly where the Lord would have you be. I'm also a thousand percent positive that the brother of Jared would choose the trials. He would choose the hardship. He would choose the waves and the winds and the storms and the seasickness because of his eternal perspective and understanding who God is and the importance of trusting God and his plan for the Jaredite people. My friends, I testify that we worship a loving Father in heaven, a Father who knows us, who loves us, who is aware of our desires, our ambitions, and our wants, but also loves us enough to push us towards what we can become, even painfully at times. I testify that as we do what the Jaredites did and commend ourselves unto the Lord, when we place ourselves in His hands, that our lives and our families and our happiness can become more with him than it ever would be without him. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.